0: the Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly Now, how do I go about describing my three guests today? What I did was I picked out six words and I went to the dictionary to get the definition of all six words, which I think define all three of my guests today in one form or another. The first one I picked out was friendship and the definition as a person you like and enjoy being with. Number two was conviction, which in this case has a dual purpose to it. It means strong belief or opinion, but also means being proven guilty of a crime. Number three, espionage. The practice of spying or using spies to obtain information about the plans and activities, especially of foreign governments. Number five, perseverance. That says a lot about two of my guests, more than you can possibly imagine. The definition of that, continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties Failure or opposition. Number six, love. A feeling of strong attachment induced by what delights or commands admiration. Kindness or devotion to another. Affection, tenderness, love. Those six words define my three guests today. And let me do a quick bring-in of my three guests. First, Christopher Boyce. of espionage in the late 1970s along with his co defendant Andrew Dalton Lee. The story was told... In the book and movie, The Falcon and the Snowman, Kate Kate Mills Boyce, legal professional specializing in prison rights and an advocate for early parole for nonviolent criminal offenders, also a four-time cancer survivor. And Vince Font is a freelance journalist, a close friend with Christopher and Kate, as well as a co-author with them on the recently released book, American Sons, where The Falcon and the Snowman Ended. American Sons picks up And that's where we will begin Everyone, welcome to the show And that was a lot coming out of my mouth to start it
1: (laughs) Good morning, John Good morning, John Oh, wow, you know, I spent
0: Oh Listen, guys, thank you so much for coming on I know it's early out there On the West Coast I racked my brain uh, On what to come up to describe you The song was easy We talked about that a couple weeks ago But to, to define all three of you and, you know, obviously the, the the focal point of it, everything starts and ends with Christopher because of what he went through and then the people coming in and out of his life over the next, you know, 25, 30, 40 years. But all three of you bring something very dynamic to this situation. The book was very well written, by the way. I thoroughly enjoyed how it was done. Kate, you're an extremely strong woman. And I have to ask you, you really love this man? You really love this man, don't you?
1: I, I absolutely love Vince. You're right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: excellent, excellent. But though, seriously, though, I mean, when you read the book, American Sons, which can be found on Amazon.com, and I really strongly suggest that anyone who enjoys these kinds of stories, uh, espionage and so on and so forth, it's even bigger than that. It's got everything you could possibly want. It's got some action to it. It makes you think a lot go on amazon.com pick it up right now it's in the kindle version trust me you'll enjoy it but again getting back to it Kate you really again had to lo- really have to love this man i mean you worked tirelessly for him and dalton uh it for- have to
1: be more than just love it it there's a it, it's a dedication and it's i don't know that level of dedication certainly spans well beyond what love does you know love's a really nice little word but if it's not backed up by commitment and dedication it's really not a whole lot to speak of there you go maybe I, I,
0: yeah yeah maybe there's a word i, I left out i was out. completely
1: committed
0: you were definitely you are definitely completely committed it made me think to myself geez, would anyone do that for me and then vince said, <laughs> oh, seriously i wonder would anyone do that for me i
1: i would do that for you john i'm
0: glad <laughs> if i was stuck in there god help me because i want to get into that with chris as well he tells a tremendous inside version of what it's like to be in a federal state penitentiary and i don't mean from the uh uh, the view that you know okay this is what's happening i'm talking about where you're inside and you can feel the fear and the worry that christopher feels christopher i was right there with you and you know i'm a pretty big guy i go 64 250 like to think i can handle myself in just about any situation but i don't want to go where you've been i I promise you that so you're a very strong individual
2: I think that the, the larger guys in prison just actually fall harder when they go down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to find out, I'll be honest with you. And Vince, Vince how did you end up coming across and working so closely with uh, Kate and Christopher?
3: Um, well, you know, it's kind of a long story. Um, how long do we have? We've got. The, kidding, well, we will
0: be. Tr- <laughs> we do have to cut out around five of today. Another football game is preempting me, but only five minutes early. So go ahead.
3: <laughs> well, then I'll give you the short version. You know, the, the magic of the internet. Actually, you know, uh, these days you can go online and you can kind of communicate with just about anybody you ever you ever dreamed of communicating with. Um, Kate and I. Uh, got acquainted um, online um, a few years back, and um, and I was, you know, really fascinated. I had been fascinated with Christopher Boyce's story since I was 15, and I saw The Falcon and the Snowman at a theater. Um, of course, you know, acquainting myself with with Kate, and you know, re- made me realize that Chris had been released from prison, and I never knew that that had taken place. Which made me feel like a, you know, kind of a, a bad fan of the movie because I never once, since the year 2002 till the year 2010, had I ever Google searched the name Christopher Boyce to see where he was now. And uh, you know what I learned about how he was released uh, by talking to Kate um, was really fascinating. And at one point, Kate mentioned to me, "I'm thinking about writing a book." Uh, you know, do you think it would be interesting? Do you think it would sell? And I said, I'd be one of the first people to line up to buy it. And uh,
0: Well, you guys guys did a great job with it, and and I'm being serious. If they were able to turn the Falcon and the Snowman into a movie, uh, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do it with this book. I mean, you pick right up after, you know, the sentencing and so forth, and then Christopher is sent off to prison, maximum security prison. And, Christopher, when did you really start thinking about, about breaking out of there? Was it really the moment they sentenced you or the moment you got there?
2: Oh, during my trial, I was sitting there looking for a way out. I, you know, from the beginning, I just really never accepted the fact that, that I was going to spend the rest of my life in a penitentiary. But then when I actually got to the U.S. Penitentiary at Lompoc out there on the West Coast it's in Central California. It was just a utter gladiator school. I wasn't there a first day before I watched a man murdered coming down the corridor.
0: So I guess, uh, I'm sorry, I guess we'll all agree then that uh, as far as rehabilitation goes, that's pretty much non-existent, at least at the federal level?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, they don't, I mean, I believe in rehabilitation yeah. the prison system, system, system does care doesn't. about it yeah
0: yeah that's what i mean so for Christopher, i mean now you're really a fish out of water here i mean let's let's outline who you are i mean you're basically an intellect uh you come from a very good family background uh you know you've really never been in any trouble before
2: uh, you made well, a the mistake The trouble i had been in my father always got me out of was was uh probably one of my problems Okay, so okay, so you
0: okay, so you leaned on your father, who was a former FBI agent, correct?
2: Well, he was whenever I got into normal kid trouble, where I probably should have been punished. My father always managed to, you know, be yeah. there and end my trouble. But but I I was not I had not ever been convicted of a crime. I came from a very wealthy neighborhood, and. Uh, no one very few people in the prison came from my background and uh I just literally saw people just started to be murdered all around me. I remember the fellow in the cell next to me. I was sitting there reading a book in you know, a and some a gang of uh d c they call them the d c blacks they were hmm. you know one of the drug gangs in the prison just went in there and murdered this guy just feet away from me and and you know, the gore and blood all over the place and the puddles of blood on the tier. and I couldn't even walk out of my cell without tracking blood up and down the tier. And I just figured it was a matter of time before I myself was murdered. The kid I jogged with, he was murdered. They tried to extort money out of him and and I just wasn't did not was determined not to die there.
0: I can I understand gonna, that. Now For Kate, this is something she's probably heard many times. This was not foreign to her to know the inside of a federal prison and how it runs. Now, Vince, when you're writing the book and you're going back and forth with Christopher and Kate, this has to be a little bit of a shock to your system to really get the inside scoop on what it's like to be, again, in a federal prison and have a mark on your back because of who Christopher was at the time.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember... You know, after I watched the movie, I, I sort of uh, put it away, and I thought, well, these guys are probably going to be doing the rest of their lives at Club Fed. And <laughs> one of the first things I learned, I guess that shows how naive I am, but um, one of the first things I learned by talking to Chris was, you know, what was the place like that you were sent? And when he explained it to me, I was shocked. I It was as if, I mean, he was thrown in there with with the scourge of the earth. Yeah. Um, violent uh, offenders, and that terrified me because uh, because of the fact that he had no prior criminal record. Um, although I, you know we all agree that the the crime that Chris committed uh, was was severe, and 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 um, you know he went to prison as he should have. Um, I didn't think that the uh, the conditions or the crime really warranted the conditions, but uh, I guess if you mess with the uh,
0: the ball. Well, I you you know, think the more I read into it, the more I see to me, it seems like someone was definitely pulling some strings here and really wanted Christopher. And I think more Christopher than Dalton in a lot of ways punished. And they really wanted some suffering here because people have committed far more, worse crimes than this. And, you know, life has gone on. They've done their time or what have you, but this just seemed, this seemed to be hell on earth. From what Chris
2: Can I make a point, John? That, that %uh I don't think that 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 prison was really fair to anyone. The 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 all, all that the the Bureau of prisons really controlled was the perimeter fence, and it was just a jungle inside there. And I, and I don't think those conditions are conducive to anyone's rehabilitation or betterment or anything like that. And I just think it was a complete, total abandonment of responsibility. The way the Bureau of Prisons was running that penitentiary—it was a bloodbath in there. And I don't—I'm not—I don't know if it's the federal prisons are still like that. I doubt it, but that was yes, just—it I mean, it was yeah. just an extreme.
0: Well, to me, it sounds of like yeah. duty. Well, again, it sounds like if you want to go to the movies, it sounds like that movie from years ago that I happen to like a lot called uh, "Escape from New York" with Kurt Russell, where they make Manhattan Pretty Island. Low. Yeah, they just but then they just release. <laughs> That's it. You're done. Hey, and I'm That's sitting good. here, but but Kate, now I'll get go. You know, like I'll go to you on this. You've been working this as a, a legal advocate for years, and it, it was this a driving force for you? You know, outside of Christopher and Dalton trying to get them paroled. Was this a driving force for you knowing the conditions in there for other clients of yours?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think what bothered me the most is is that um, being sent to prison is one thing. I, I certainly understand criminals do their time. They need to do their time. It, it's what makes everybody around them feel better if you can actually say okay well we're going to give you ten years and you're going to prison. But in those 10 years that you're stuck in prison or 20 years that you're stuck in prison, the one thing that they really need to be able to do is ensure that you're going to survive it. And if they can't do that, then that, to me, creates another huge problem. That's a violation of civil rights. It's a, it's a, it's a violation of just basic common decency. The United States Bureau of Prisons, and, and I can't say this for state prisons, um, although I've seen a great many of those, but I know that the federal prison system is a murderous place to be, and people have joked about it since the 80s, and the Watergate conspirators calling it club fed. Mm -hmm. There is no club fed. Uh, Maybe Allenwood uh, out on the East Coast is club fed. Yeah,
0: Pennsylvania, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's really about as far as that goes. Um, It it is a pretty onerous place to be, and you start sticking 20-year-olds in there. With a 25-year sentence, and now with the um, with the mandatory minimums and no parole hearings, if they weren't criminals, if they weren't true criminals when they went in, they sure as hell are going to be when they're released.
0: Well, that's survival of the fittest. You got no choice.
1: Well, and the, the the point that I always try to make to people. You can take away their TVs and you can take away the gym and you can take away movie night because somehow you think as a taxpayer that you're paying for this and and you're mollycoddling criminals. But ultimately those people are going to be released. And there is no rehabilitation. There is no fight for rehabilitation for these men and women. So for 20 years, they're going to sit in a cell, and anger and resentment is going to build, and then you're going to release them without any care, with nothing except six months' worth of a halfway house and a couple of years' worth of parole. Well, they've Kate, got no skills. They've no. got nothing.
0: Okay, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to reach out to you after this is done and see if you're interested in doing a show just based on the prison system. No, I'd it, love to. Because I think that would be a, a tremendous show following something like this. But I'm going to jump back to Christopher now. Christopher, you finally came up with a plan to an escape. Hell of a plan, by the way. I mean, you know, I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm thinking how your mind works, what you're trying to put together, the fact you were able to get yourself in that little drainage ditch. Now, you're not... A lot of yoga. Yeah, yeah that's what you said. You said you did a lot of yoga in your, in your cell. Now, I guess no one thought about things like back then, as far as security goes, if they would have witnessed it. Now, I think that would draw some attention, if someone's oh, doing boy. yoga or something like that. But you were, I mean, you're not a, a, a tall man, but you're not a small man either. I mean, you're about 5'9, five, 5'10. Five, that was a little box. And-
2: yeah, I felt, folded myself up like a pretzel, but I think I was able to do that, John, because the truth is that I was more, I'm not a particularly brave fellow, and I was in much greater fear of the murdering gangs inside the prison than I was of the guards in the towers with the guns. And I don't know, maybe that's because of my background growing up around feds, you
0: know. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'll tell you what I think it is in my mind. And I'm, I don't mean to speak for you. It's just the thought I'm having. You still probably had in your mind the fairness of, you know, fair play and that the guard will do the right thing. Within the bowels of that prison, there were no rules, and these people didn't play by any sort of humanity-type rules. So I didn't. could see where you would have that fear more so of being shanked than being shot.
2: Yeah, And I, I thought that. I looked upon the guards as, you know, uh, not very motivated, not, not necessarily even awake in the gun towers in the middle of the night. I just did not see them as any kind of elite uh, federal force. It was almost like they were the bottom of the barrel. And, you know, I just looked at it. They didn't know... If I was going to escape, they didn't know where I was going to escape or, or when I would escape. And all I really had to do was pierce that perimeter once. And i it seemed to me that I had all the advantages. i They didn't know I was coming, and, and I was determined and motivated, and they weren't. That's how I viewed it.
0: I have to ask you, you said you have no, you know, that you're... Not exactly someone who's. Maybe I'm using the wrong word. A lot of guts. You don't have a. You know. You're not like that. But I'm thinking. Wait a second. Now, are you an adrenaline junkie to some extent? I mean, what you did to put yourself in prison. I mean, you know, selling secrets to the spies is a pretty nervous business. Uh, you're either enjoying that for the adrenaline high or looking forward to the payment. And it seems like to me, you're able to think yourself out of situations or create ways where you can somehow come through it. So, I'm wondering are you, are you an adrenaline junkie to some extent?
2: You know, John, I I suppose I must be, but growing up my father was always uh we shared a love of history. So, as I'm sitting in that prison, I I'm, I'm and looking at all this gore and violence all around me, you know, I reach back into the books that my father and I had read and and one of them uh, was a book about Winston Churchill during the, the Boer War when he was a young man, and he was captured by the Boers and, and put in a uh, pr- prison camp. And, you know, well, what did Churchill do? Like, talk about adrenaline junkies. You know, he was yeah. in the last cavalry charge and all that. But Churchill, many people don't know this, but he was imprisoned by the Boers, and he broke out of the prison in the middle of the night. And so I thought, I'll do exactly as Churchill that's what he do. That's
0: what I'll do. Well, you and I are both history junkies. It's something I enjoy, and I know the story you're talking about quite well. So we definitely have that in common. And I'm going to kind of jump forward a little bit here because, you know, you make the escape. Tremendous job getting out. Uh, you've basically got the U.S. Marshals Service, the FBI, probably the CIA and NSA, and maybe even the Russians looking for you. For about 19 months. Because there was a, I remember as a kid, my parents talking about it, and I think my grandfather made the comment that he thought you would end up in Russia. And I think a lot of people, for some reason, did. And as I got older, it kind of came to me, no, I don't really think that's where you would have gone. And I don't no. really think they wanted you at that point. I think it was no. just what it was. But for some reason, people believe that. Now, here's a question I get: I have for you. You get up to the border of Canada, and you talk about this so well in the book, the writing between you and Kate and Vince is just tremendous, very synergistic. You're able to go across the border, come back from the border when you're hiking, back and forth, back and forth. It's like you're toying with yourself. And I'm trying to understand why you just didn't keep going north up to the Yukon.
2: I had it to do over again I might do that but the the truth is John that the best place for an American to hide is in his own country that's where you sound like everyone else you don't have an accent you know everything about the people you're living in you can fit in and even though Canadians are are so much like us they, they talk different yep. and they have a different different twist on things and you just didn't you just, I didn't fit in. And, and, you know, the Idaho Panhandle and Montana and Wyoming, they're just such beautiful places that it's, it was difficult to leave. I, but going, when the few times when I went up into Canada, I didn't necessarily feel any safer. Okay. I just kind of felt, you know, out of sorts, odd.
0: I, I, I guess I can understand that. You're still at that point almost a man without a country. And we're gonna roll into a break and come back on the flip side of this and get into being caught and a few other things that happen and really get into your yours and Kate's story. You're listening to Life on Ed. I'm your host John Aberly. today. My guests are, if you can call it, it's so many people here, three people, Christopher Boyce. Kate Boyce, Vince Font, we are talking about the book they have written, American Sons, which can be found on Amazon.com, a must-read. Be back in a few moments.
4: Drinking while you're pregnant can give your baby brain damage and breath defects. Learning disabilities, too. Look, here's the deal. If you drink alcohol while you're pregnant, you may be ruining your baby's chances of ever having a normal life. All forms of alcohol are dangerous, even beer and wine. Play it smart. Alcohol and pregnancy don't mix. This message is brought to you by the Chester County Department of Drug and Alcohol Services. For more information, please call toll-free 1-866-286-3767 or visit nofas.org. Hi, my name is Nicole Zell, and I'm the new host of Soundstage. Every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m., we'll be featuring local musicians and upcoming artists. That's Soundstage, every Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m., with me, Nicole Zell, on WCHE 1520 AM, the talk of Chester County.
3: In Philadelphia, pretzels are a tradition, and nobody makes them better than my friend Jimmy over at the Philadelphia Pretzel Factory in Westchester. Since 2003, Jimmy and his staff have been committed to making the best pretzels in the Philly area. Every pretzel is hand-twisted to ensure freshness and quality, and you can't beat the price. Bring in your Westchester University football ticket stub the day after a home game and receive a free pretzel. That's the Philly Pretzel Factory, located at 125 North Church Street in downtown Westchester. Open seven days a week. Stop in or call Jimmy me at 610-430-7100. That's 610-430-7100. Westchester's Philly Pretzel Factory.
1: Hey, it's Daphne Oz from The Chew, and you are listening to WCHE. Stone and melting from the inside,
0: Welcome back to Life on Ed. I'm your host, John Avery. Today, my special guest, and there are three of them, I have Christopher Boyce, who spent 25 years in a federal prison for selling secrets to the Soviet Union in the mid to late 70s. You probably know him through the movie The Falcon and the Snowman. His wife, Kate Boss, formerly Kate Boss, or formerly Kate Mills, uh, legal advocate, was able to get uh, Dalton and Christopher out. Uh, on a much earlier parole than they would expect it and vince font who is a close friend and has recently helped them write the book american sons which was just been released and can be found on amazon.com in the kindle section again a must read kate during the time that uh chris is on the run you don't even really know who he is you're dealing with dalton trying to get him out on parole um kind of a strange relationship there obviously dalton has has fallen for you uh you're probably the only lighter beacon he has to the outside world and he's you know really gripping into that um but you're trying to find a way to help him you know get to an early parole now i have to ask what i, di- I never knew about the fingerprint that turned up at the trw black vault section uh with uh Dalton's fingerprint there. I never read that before until I read the book. Now, has anyone ever figured out how it got there? It seems really strange to me that only one match was ever found. Uh, any thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts on it? Your thoughts? I think, that, I think the CIA and the FBI just taped on a fingerprint. I, I don't think it's anything that... I didn't convict him. That's not what convicted him. Um, I know for a fact that he was never in the building. He certainly was never in the black vault. He never hung around Chris's workplace. Dalton clearly said that. Chris told me that a number of times. I think it was just that kind of final nail in the coffin just in case they needed it.
0: Now, Christopher, you're taking... I totally take... agree with that. Okay, so, you, so you believe that? You believe that was just uh, a backup plan that they threw in there?
1: I absolutely do. Okay,
0: Insurance. Uh, Yeah, definitely an insurance policy to make sure that, you know, you guys wouldn't in any way have the, you know, the case wouldn't fall apart for them and you guys might walk. Now, Christopher, you were taking flight lessons. You were learning how to fly. Uh, Again, right out in the open, up there in Idaho and up in Oregon and everything else, which I find extremely fascinating that you just blended in so well. But you weren't taking lessons to learn how to fly away from the continental United States, you were taking no. these lessons to learn the next round to learn how to fly a helicopter. And I have to ask you, were you really seriously thinking, really, of, of flying in the Lowbrook prison and breaking Dalton out? I mean, did you really feel that way?
2: Actually, John, you know, it's not as difficult as it sounds, uh, they, you you would zip right in. You could use smoke. I I felt a huge uh, obligation to him. You know, we had gone to prison together. I I asked him if he wanted to escape with me, and he just didn't have the the resolve anymore to to do something like that. And and when I went out, I when I did break out of there myself, my escape made his incarceration much more onerous, and I felt bad about that, and he was a friend of my childhood. I'd known him, you know, since we were little kids, and I thought that if I could do, do that, I, I would try. The, the main problem, though, was communicating with him inside, even find out if, if, if he was interested in leaving. See, for, oh, he would
0: come out. You see, see, for me, and, and I'm going to hit this with Vince next, because you know, he came in and helped write the story with the two of you. So he's got a, probably the same view that I do, or at least maybe some of the same thoughts. I'm trying to understand, Chris, you're in that circumstances, you get yourself out and you're making a life. Look, I understand your, your friendship with Dalton. Believe me, I get it, uh, but I'm trying to think to myself, it, you seem like a man torn at that point to go back for him. I I have to be honest with you. I I don't think I even would have considered it for a moment. Not because I wouldn't have cared, but I gave him a chance to want to come with me. He chose not to. So now I have to move on and take care of what I have to do. And I consider myself a pretty loyal person. Vince, what was some of your thoughts as you're writing this and Christopher's telling you these stories and his thoughts that go along with them? Are you kind of looking at him going, I don't get it or I do get it?
3: Um I do get it actually. Okay. Um you know, this is my personal opinion of everything that uh Chris was involved in after he escaped from prison, but I believe that somewhere in his psyche he didn't think he was going to make it over the fence and everything that came after that was almost like you know, uh Sort of a like a maybe a fanciful existence almost. You know, he he robbed some banks. Yeah, he considered coming, you know, flying in Charles Bronson style, as the book says. Exactly it. Yeah, uh, flying a helicopter in to rescue his friend. I think it was kind of like somebody who has been given a death sentence and all of a sudden is given life again and handed over to them, and they just go kind of crazy. And I think that that. That, you know, that probably explains a lot of his actions during the 19 months in which he was escaped.
0: Well, you you know, Christopher, you had to do what you had to do. Then now I have to ask you, you're basically against violence, just about of any sort. But you did use a gun during your bank robberies. You did brandish it. You You didn't shoot anybody. But you did what you did. Did you feel anything during those moments that like, I can't believe it's come to this. I can't believe I've actually, I'm doing this, you know, you know, God forgive me. I don't want these people to feel any pain as far as any psychological pain. What was kind of going through your mind there?
2: Well, John, you know, of all the things I've ever done in my life, that's what I most regret actually. And that, that I caused, I caused fear in people's hearts when I did that, you know, that, that, that I have, I have totally, you know, hold no reservations about the fact that that was wrong. I was motivated by, and I'm not trying to make excuses, yeah. but I was not going back to that prison, those prisons. And I had, I kept having to move, and uh, I was desperate. But it's still, that's no, that's no, I had. Teams of u s marshals and FBI agents whose job it was solely to hunt me down and i I should not have done that, but I did and yeah. i reg- and I regret it, but I was desperate to the point of not going back, not being incarcerated again and I, and as far as your previous question yeah. you know I didn't want that. To be the way that Dalton's, you know, life ended, and I just didn't believe in leaving people behind. In, and uh, I just wanted to give him the option, if he would take it, of coming in out like I had. And
0: I respect that. A
2: large po- and it's. I. I just wasn't. I just don't believe in leaving people behind. And. But you, you, all of you, people are right. I suppose I am an adrenaline junkie, and it, it, uh, it's very stimulating. I suppose that's why I fly falcons yeah. because it's just such an utter thrill and and uh, rush to watch the falcon come down out of the clouds and stupid the ducks and grouse and and.
0: Uh, no, no, I, I think it's it's not a judgment on that. I. I'm also to some extent an adrenaline junkie, so I I get it. And falconry is actually, if if one steps back, it's a beautiful sport. It might not be to some people, but if you know the history of it, and this is obviously something you've studied with a passion your entire life, those yeah. are good things. I, I I just was trying to get a feel because you're not that you're a contradiction of yourself because you're not. You're just a very just a man with very strong convictions and you're a very intelligent man, and you could have, um, God, if if they would have allowed you to have some sort of reign in the prison system, you probably could have educated half of the inmates going out the door. Did anyone ever try to broach that for you to maybe help you be able to teach these inmates?
2: Um, Not until later when I uh, I was moved out of the federal prison system in the 90s up to the Minnesota prison system. And there I did a lot of tutoring. I went into the education unit. I completed my own B.A. in history, and I tutored quite a bit and taught. And, and I wrote articles for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. I wrote editorials for them. I, I Like I had an outside job while being in the prison. But that wasn't in the federal prisons. That was in that was a state. the Minnesota, Minnesota prisons, prison. where they have a whole different philosophy behind incarceration than the feds
0: do. Well, I have to ask you because and I, I I'm curious if Kate wanted to kill you on this. You get a parole date and then you write this article for the Minnesota Tribune, which um i I, I understand where you're coming from with it, but I think I might have withheld my thoughts uh, to that yeah. extent when you know because then they pretty much drummed you right back, you know, to solitary out of that prison system again. Kate, did you want to kill him, or did you just understand that's Christopher? and how he thinks.
1: Yeah, no, John.
0: <laughs> you wanted to kill him.
1: <laughs> the morning that he called and said that he was in the segregation unit and that they were transferring him out, and he thought he was just going to go back to a federal institution, and he didn't know where. About 48 hours after that, I found out where he was going, and he still didn't know. And, yes, I wanted to fly to Minnesota <laughs> and stick my size eight and a half right <laughs> up his rear end.
2: But the problem was is that, the, you know, it... They put me in the there, the federal supermax, and but they put me there for writing a newspaper article, and they locked me up with McVeigh and the Unabomber and and all these wingnut Arab bombers, and uh, (laughs) but that's a that's a. A supermax for locking up people who are are killing other
1: the most violent of all criminals. Yeah, but in that
2: Florence. But I they think, put me in there yeah. for writing a newspaper. Yeah, but I think so they
0: kind of looked at it like you you kind of kicked them in the you know in the balls yeah. on that one to put it bluntly. That's you know I understand where they were coming from on that one. It wasn't the article; it was the content. But again, you 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 know let you shoot from the hip, and you're very honest. And I think that was just a little too much for them. But I want to oh, say... Step- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kate.
1: They were just pissed. Yeah, I bet. That's <laughs> about the best way you can put it. Yeah, they I, were just yeah. bent out of shape. Their egos were just yeah. completely warped out of shape. And, you know, that was the last straw for them. They were not happy that he got a parole. And then oh, this wow. on top of it, no, it was the last straw.
0: Yeah, law enforcement people are are, are very much black and white people. And if they yeah. give you a little gray... And somehow they feel that you've you've taken it and tried to turn it into a rainbow, so to speak. They're not happy <laughs> yeah. about those things. It's
2: true. <laughs> <But> the, <laughs> problem, the problem was, though, is that there there was a, a murderer up there, a mass murderer, and he went into the he continued to murder people in the prison up there, and that just so reminded me of you know the original prison that they put me in, the federal prison in Lompoc, that. That I had an opinion about it, and and I I wrote about it. I personally think the article was justified, and uh, it turns out they they finally let that that murderer out of the solitary confinement they put him in, and, and they shipped him to Minnesota, traded him to Oregon to lock him up <laughs> here. And as soon as they put him in the population here, he murdered an Oregonian just a, a couple wow. a little while ago.
0: Well, you called and it so, right, but. It was a judgment call that should have been made. But I want to step back and give you credit for this, though. While you're at Marion and you're locked up in in solitary, which the way you describe it, and I'm a person that can get lost in my thoughts. I love to read, so I don't mind being alone. I can be a room full of people and be completely alone in my own head and enjoy that. But at the same time, a lot like yourself, you, you also need people. Now, you were able to cut a really nice deal because some high-ranking people came to you in 1985 and wanted you to testify in front of, I think it was a sub-Senate committee on um, security. Senate Subcommittee
2: committee of investigation. There you go. Yeah.
0: Yep. And it was a, an honor to be asked, no matter how it got there, it was an honor to mm-hmm. be asked. But you cut a great deal, or asking at least, and it didn't hurt to ask, to be able to get what I call your sunroom. That merit, the way it sounded like, you actually, they actually did that for you.
2: They built a birdcage for him. Yeah, amazing. Well, I had been in solitary confinement for years there. And so when the uh, minority council showed up, Senator Nunn's minority council, you know, I said, well, you have to let me outside. Look at me. I'm I'm just prison pallor. I haven't been outside in in years, you know, I haven't been out of this cell, so they spent, the Senate agreed, and they, the Senate forced the Bureau of Prisons to spend $50,000 to <laughs> build this gigantic exercise facility just for me that no one else could use, <laughs> and uh, it was it was helicopter-proof, but it was, jeez, it was the size of a baseball infield.
0: Wow, that's tremendous. And they,
2: they called it Boyce's Birdcage.
0: And that's Okay. They,
2: <laughs> hey, hey! You got what but you I, asked for. They were killing me. Yeah, What's I can that? imagine.
0: Well, that's you know, you go into one part about the uh, psychiatrist that has to come around. Uh, I think it was once a quarter or once a month. I'm not trying to remember. Asking all the inmates in solitary, how do you feel? It's like a list of questions. It's you know, basically BS. Routine, yeah. Routine BS. And I want to get Vince's take on this because it made me step back. When the ones, you, you made a statement kind of challenged the psychiatrist, and he came back with you that basically you're a, you know, a sociopath, psychopath, and you don't even know you are. And, you know, that's it. And, you know, I, I found that interesting that of all the years you had been in the system, hadn't anyone tested you, personality tests and stuff, to see that that's not who you are? That that was not your genetic makeup as a person,
2: you know the the that type of testing in the Bureau of Prisons is so rudimentary and out of date, and uh they just assume that's the that the psychologists just assume that if you're convicted of a crime, you're a psychopath. And, you know, I was asking to be in a prison where I could see my family and, and that I needed to see sunshine after all these years. And what the psychologist was telling me was that because you're a psychopath, that seeing sun, out being doors is of no benefit to you, seeing your family is of no benefit to you. And, and basically I wasn't a human being. And I think that is a way that, that some of these medical people in the Bureau of Prisons justify what they're doing. You know, they they do not view convicts as people. And they don't treat them like people in, in many of the federal penitentiaries.
0: And that's what happens. And, uh, it's it, I learned a lot just by reading about your experiences inside the system. I mean, that alone could tell a whole story. And we're going to roll into another break here. You're listening to Life on Edom, your host, John Aberly Today, my three guests... Christopher Boyce, Kate Boyce, Vince Font, they are co-authors of the book American Sons, the follow-up to The Falcon and the Snowman. Be back in a few moments.
4: some of the biggest stars in entertainment stop by on WCHE they sit down and chat with me Bryn McHenry on the Bryn Project like E! News anchor Juliana Rancic. Everyone's been on this journey with us for so long that everyone can share in the joy of him. ABC family actress Allie Gonino. I didn't want to be known for one and not the other. Actually I'd rather be known as a musician. Dancing with the Stars all-stars winner and mom Melissa Rycroft. Being too as opposed to her being a newborn when she relied on me for everything. Dancing with the Stars pro dancer Karina Smirnoff. I get to act every single dance without using words. Plus the latest in health tips.
3: Toy for men is a lot worse
4: than it is for social women. Fashion advice. You don't have to use every single track. And entertainment from stars like the host of Entertainment Tonight, Nancy O'Dell. Barbara Walters,
1: Angelina Jolie. There's never Bro. a lack of entertainment news.
4: That's the Brin Project every Wednesday. At 1215 and Saturday at 12 right here on WCAG 1520.
0: Due to WCHE's broadcast of the Westchester University Golden Rams football game against California University of Pennsylvania this Saturday at 12 noon, the Saturday edition of the Bryn Project has been rescheduled this week for Monday, October 8th from 4 to 5 p.m. So tune in for the latest in fashion, beauty, lifestyle, fitness, and entertainment with Bryn McHenry on Monday, October 8th at 4 p.m.
1: What do I want? I want to be seen faster.
3: I want to spend as little time in the waiting room as possible.
4: Less waiting,
3: more taking care of me.
4: At Brandywine Hospital, you'll find the 30 Minutes or Less ER Service Pledge. 30 Minutes or Less? You can even find our average ER wait time online or with your mobile device. Don't wait when you need care fast. Turn to Brandywine Hospital. Learn more at brandywinehospital.com.
3: Hi, this is Will Fridell, and you're listening to WCHE
0: no. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guests, tremendous guest, uh, Christopher Boyce, Kate Boyce, Vince Font, they have written the book America's Sons, can be found on Amazon.com in the Kindle section. Uh, Again, a must read. Uh, We are in the last segment here, about 10 minutes left between the three of us guys, and again, I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to come on this morning. And I kind of want to jump a little bit now into Christopher getting out, getting paroled. And Kate, you were really there for him the whole time. I have to ask you again now, again, you must really love this man. That's a long time to be waiting for someone to come out of prison. And you know, was it a big adjustment for the two of you when Christopher came out and started living with you? It's not gonna be just a uh a complete happy ending, is it? There's definitely some work that has to be done and a merging of two very strong personalities.
2: Well, it's it's
1: I I think it's like any marriage. I frankly think that anybody that's married understands that it's something that they have to work at on a daily basis. I don't think there's a marriage on earth where two people just meld so perfectly that they never have to work at it. Um, It's a little bit different when you're working with somebody who spent 25 years in prison. Um, I can remember our first trip to the grocery store together, Um, things like that, And, and he was just... It just boggled the mind to watch him in the grocery store aisle. Little things like that. I mean, it was like
2: just Rip Van Winkle waking up.
1: Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I was terrified to leave him at home with my stove because it was it was a fabulous 1948 tap and range, and you had to turn on the gas and then light a match. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I waited for the fire department to call, and I, oh. yeah, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but, you know, here we are. Next week is our um, next Saturday, as a matter of fact, is our eleventh wedding anniversary, and it's been a really tough eleven years. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> Tell we, him about the phone, Kate. Which, oh yeah. Which part? Okay, you so didn't understand favorite.
0: how the phone worked anymore. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, it's worse than that. The, the, my favorite boy story, he had been out about three or four days. He was allowed to come home on, from, the, from the halfway house. He was allowed to come home for a couple of hours and he wanted to do something special and he decided he was going to bake me a cake and so Uh-oh. he took the he went up to the grocery store and found all the stuff that he needed and came home but when i got home he said you know i i was in the grocery store and i tried to call but the phone didn't work And I didn't know what he was talking about. And finally, he he handed me the home phone, the cordless phone, and said, "Well, I took it to the grocery
2: store, but I couldn't get it to work." I thought it was a cell phone.
1: (laughs) No clue between you know, just the the standard wireless phone or a cell phone. And my car scared the living daylights out of him. And yeah, Yeah. it it was. uh, It's yeah, it's
0: coming home. It's coming home. I. You know, I was laughing at some of the stuff, and it got me thinking. You know, how would I react? I thought one of the funny things was when uh, uh, Chris was still in prison. You guys were able to communicate through phone, but you hadn't for a few months. And Kate gets on the phone and goes, uh, "Where you been? You know, what, what took you so long the call or whatever?" And Chris is like, "What? What? How did you know it was me?" It's like, "Oh, it got caller ID." You know, and to us, caller ID is like, "Okay, that's that's you know, it's just what it is." Then I tried to imagine Christopher going, "Call her ID what the hell is that?" and trying to get a visual <laughs> of it, and then you explaining it to him. yeah it's it's it, your marriage, your friendship, um, you know everything about the two of you is uh, unique, and probably once in ten lifetimes that'll ever happen again for anybody like this and
2: well John, you know that I owe my my freedom my my fishing trips, my falconry, my having a life again, I owe all that to Kate, all to her love and her legal wizardry, and without Kate, I would have no life, I could very well just still be rotting away in solitary confinement, so I owe my existence to Kate, and, you know,
1: Oh, he can say that to you, but does he say that at home? <laughs> I, Never.
0: I, I believe he feels that way, but but Christopher, in the last <laughs> few minutes I got, I have to ask you this because I know how important falconry is to you. I know it's it's probably so entwined into who you are, it's like breathing. And I wanted to ask you, what did it feel like the first time you were able to do it again, to get a falcon on your forearm and to just feel that Russian power of an animal like that, and be able to total release it?
2: liberation, just a total be long i was disconnected from nature i was just in in you know for in concrete walls and and to just be reconnected to life and and to just watch a falcon which is you know the fastest creature in the world come down out of the clouds just you know knocked my socks off and to, to me it's it's flying falcons out in the grasslands out in the sage lands is to me like is going to church really and uh but none of this none of this would you know being re- reunited with my family and and having a life again it, i would have none of this without kate so you know That's i could literally thing. owe kate my life and i wish everybody could have such a debt to their wife
0: <laughs> trust me we all do well, yeah. we all do trust me it's it's reminded to us every single day
2: because <laughs> I, I hear i can't out talk her and i lose all the arguments but that's all right too Jen, well, she's a great cook
0: two strong personalities two strong personalities christopher i have to ask you though and and you know i, I assume you'll give me your honest answer and again I, I respect who you are and everything that you've done for your convictions but my question is: If you could go back, would you not do what you did? Do you regret what you did? To me, there's two different things there. Regretting would mean you regret it, but would still do it. But changing it means you just wouldn't. Can I throw the, that question the, at you?
2: The truth is, John, is that I I could not. Looking back mm-hmm. on all of the horrors and and the, and the and the and the trouble and the pain and the and the mental anguish, I could not. I could not do that to myself again. I couldn't. I couldn't do it to my father again. You know, this all of this really hurt my father. Yeah. And I could not. I could not. Looking back, I, I could not bring myself to to bring down upon myself the the rage of the government again. But, but. Would I? Am I glad I did it? In in a way, I, I am. I just couldn't bring myself to do it again. I. I I think that I, I think I benefited some Hmm. people in ways. I think that what I did was, was good to end American interference in the domestic affairs of Australia. I think there were benefits to them, but honestly, John, I just couldn't bring down the wrath of the government on myself again like that. But of course, I'm 60 and I'm old and tired now.
0: Well, that's what leads me to you know, Edward Snowden and Bradley Manning, who likes to go by Chelsea Manning now with the last two minutes. What I've noticed is that people who make these decisions for the most part to break away and, and challenge their government or challenge the system, the man, whatever you want to call it, tend to be people younger uh, in an idealistic frame of mind, which I used to be. I don't know if I could have done anything along those lines but again I get it it's just as you that's the answer I thought you were going to give me as you get older you see it for what it is for what it was and it's not something you would want to go through again or put your family and friends through again
2: and when you're young you you think you're indestructible but when you put yourself up against the United States government you're not indestructible and their resources are unlimited and uh, I admire Manning and Snowden. I think that they have both acted in defense of civil liberties. I hope more come forward. And uh, I think that the NSA is out of control. I think that they are creating a surveillance
0: state in this country. But uh, we're going to have to I, find. I'm sorry, go ahead. They
2: both regret what. what what's going to come down on
0: their heads well we're gonna to have to maybe find a way to allow people to come forward without having to face the wrath of the government but i want to thank again all three of you for coming on christopher Boyce, kate Boyce, vince font again authors co-authors of the book america's sons can be found on amazon.com in the kindle section thank you again kate can i reach out to you and maybe we can do a show together on the, how the prison system works I would love it. I appreciate it. Thank you to all three of you, oh, yeah. and uh, it was a long time coming, but I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, right. guys. Nice, guys. Bye, bye.